Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap, spot, kick away, high enough, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Barth. Good gosh, dirty. This is the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. What's going on, guys? Another live edition here of the Heel Tub Blog Podcast. Anthony Pegnata, Josh Marlowe here with you. It's time to get you ready for the Tar Heels' fourth game of the season as they look to go to 4-0 for the first time since 1997. They'll give it another try on Saturday night. This time on the road against the Pitt Panthers. They have some things that they have to get ironed out when it comes to uh, I guess people refer to them as curses. I don't know if you would refer to Pittsburgh as a curse. There's They've lost two games there. I don't know if that's quite curse-worthy, but it's still a hump that Carolina has to be able to get over. Also, uh, they are bringing out a uniform combination that has many people very paranoid as well. Uh, so a bunch of different things that go into a game against a Pitt team that uh, a lot of people don't look at as nearly the threat as they have in the past. Do we still, you know, do we think that's that's legitimate? Do we think that Pittsburgh is a team that Carolina uh, still needs to be very concerned about? We'll tell you about that here on this edition of the podcast. Josh Marlowe, of course, back with me. And uh, it seems like, bud, every time that we play Pittsburgh at this point, they've had a couple of matchups later in the season, but just about every time it's right around your birthday, including the highlight, one of the highlights that we had coming in, uh, the only one that involves Pitt, uh, that win uh, on the catch by Bug Howard uh, in a game that actually took place on your birthday. So we're right around that time. Uh, I know that uh, you're excited, with, you know, Carolina playing tomorrow night. 
um, Sunday, you'll be able to uh, hang out with your family and uh, and enjoy some things. I know tonight you were hanging out with your family and everything like that. So uh, how excited are you for uh, the birthday weekend and for Carolina's uh, trip up to Pittsburgh? It's only fun and exciting if they win um, because, uh, you know, Pittsburgh's not a outstanding old ACC rival by any means, but uh, it's not fun losing to them. It's not fun losing to them in that stadium, which is, of course, the home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a NFL team that virtually everybody, unless you're Pittsburgh fans, um, you hate. And so, um, you, you know, I think this is – this was a game, I think, that when we were going through the schedule back in August, I think we all maybe penciled in and said, yep, Carolina's at least a losable game. Maybe it wasn't a for-sure loss, but it was a game you looked at, you know, on the road. Pat Narduzzi, really good coach. Uh, we all thought Phil Dracovic was going to be a better quarterback than what he's been um, so far at different times this year for the Panthers. Um, and to me, this game looks very winnable um, for Carolina. And we talked on Tuesday. Um, I, this is the most I've believed in a 3-0 and start um, in my time as a Tar Heel fan, whether that was back during, you know, the COVID year. Back in, was it 20, was it 2010 they started 3-0? and um, You know, this is a start that I look at and say, okay, you can actually do some things with this and uh, put yourself in a position, especially depending on what happens tomorrow afternoon in Death Valley to – to get back to Charlotte and get back to a chance to compete for an ACC championship. And so um, I think tomorrow, as much as any game so far Carolina's played this year, we're going to learn if this team and this program is ready to take that step Mac Brown preached all offseason long. Yeah, I, I mean, good to great, I think, is, is definitely something that if you're – uh, if you're making that transition, if you're really finding a way to take that next step, it, it's got to start with a game like this because, yeah, this Pittsburgh team is not the team that you have faced in the past. But, look, Carolina's had their their issues here recently with Pittsburgh. I mean, last year uh, was the most convincing win that Carolina's had. Really, I mean, even when you go back to the Larry Fedora days, mm -hmm. that, that was one of the more convincing wins that Carolina has had. But before that, uh, Mac Brown was 0-2 against Pittsburgh. Now, both games were on the road at Pittsburgh. The 2020 matchup, which was supposed to happen originally on the original schedule, was canceled uh, and was not a part of their 2020 schedule uh, that they got during COVID. So uh, they ended up having to play back-to-back -back times on the road there. I will say this, you know, you go back to 2019, that was the team uh, for Pittsburgh that made it uh, to a New Year's Six Bowl with Kenny Pickett. Um, you know, that that's that that was a team that was pretty legitimate. Uh, Carolina uh, ends up getting beat by them in overtime. They fought very hard. And then you'll remember the last one um, was really just one of the oddest weather games that you'll ever see. Beautiful night the entire way. Uh, we get to overtime. Pittsburgh has their possession. They score. And then Carolina comes out for their possession and just monsooning rain. Carolina can't do anything to move the football, and they end up losing that game in overtime as well. So Carolina has been very close. Don't get it wrong. They, they've had their opportunities. Um, they, they, they probably should have closed both of those games out in regulation, but they weren't able to do it. The paranoia doesn't stop there, though, for Tar Heel fans because Carolina – uh, on Thursday, they had, had always do the uniform reveal. 
And yesterday when they revealed the uniforms, Carolina is going to go with the all-white Stormtrooper look. Now, normally, you know, you would say, look, it's a uniform, right? How much really goes into that? Well, Carolina, wearing these uniforms under Mac Brown, they are 0-4 in this jersey, including the last time they wore these was in Atlanta back in 2021 when they got beat 45-22 by a Georgia Tech team that had no business beating them let alone blowing them out. So uh, a lot of people are wondering, you know, is there is there something about wearing these jerseys? I mean, I would hope, like, I, the thing I hope that the team is doing right now is that they are blocking all of this out. Uh, the the point that you mentioned as well, you know, Carolina, I mean, I, they're, they're going to be focused because it's game day. They do not need to be worried about what is happening in Death Valley. If Clemson gets beat, that should be the least of your worries. You need to take care of your own business in this game. Uh, so I, I think, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into this game, a lot of different reasons why Toriel fans are a little bit paranoid. But I feel like this is a Pittsburgh team that, you know, Toriel fans should look at and say, okay, this is this is a gettable opponent. And I think the Toriels themselves should look at this group and say, we match up pretty well with this team. We should be able to have some success against them. Uh, Pittsburgh so far this season, they're one and two. Their one win comes against Wofford. The two losses against Power Five opponents in Cincinnati and West Virginia. Uh, offensively, averaging just 24 points per game, 321.3 yards of total offense. 178 of those come through the air, 143.3 of those on the ground. Uh, Josh mentioned Phil Dracovic has not been great at all. The transfer from Boston College. Uh, and look, this this is probably shouldn't shock anybody because, I mean, look at how much success they had with transfer quarterbacks coming in and succeeding. Um, you know, for them, this was their third straight transfer quarterback. At some point, it, it was just not going to work for them. Um, and look, Jerkovic could come out. He played very well when Carolina faced him back in that 2020 season uh, when they played up at Boston College. But uh, this is a, a guy that's just not feeling it right now. His last two games, he is completing less than 35% of his passes. He has under 300 passing yards during that stretch. He did throw three touchdowns against Cincinnati, but followed that up with a zero touchdown, three interception performance against West Virginia, where he actually threw uh, 66 yards worth of interceptions. That was more passing yards to pip, uh, to West Virginia players than the West Virginia quarterbacks had to the receivers the other night uh, in that game. So just a brutal all-around performance for him. Uh, they are sticking with him at quarterback. Uh, Carolina has to be prepared. There could be a chance that they end up going to their backup, although uh, Christian Below. Uh, is not a guy that I, I think uh, is going to scare you with his legs. It's not going to be a completely different style um, that's going to be coming into the game. But we know how Carolina is with handling those types of changes. Uh, the pass catchers, not nearly as potent as they've been in the years past. Uh, we've seen some guys that have been very explosive, especially on the outside. They don't really have that guy. Bub Means is the guy that uh, they've been trying to turn into their deep threat all year long. Uh, guys, they've targeted him 18 times. Four of those have been completed so far this season. So uh, it, it just has not been there the majority of the year. Carolina's still got to take care of that, though. But the guys, they have to watch tight end Gavin Bartholomew. This will be the first time Carolina 
will really face a good tight end unit uh, so far this year. Uh, that's been something that has bothered Carolina in the past. I know, you know, South Carolina, Trey Knox was, was a guy that was very highly thought of. He didn't really do much in that first game. Uh, this is a guy, though, in Gavin Bartholomew, who is a little bit more involved than even Trey Knox was uh, with the offense that he was previously in at Arkansas before he came to South Carolina. So we'll see how Carolina, uh, you know, schemes to take him away after he did some good things against the Tar Heels last year. Uh, and, and then uh, Keonta Mumfield is another guy that uh, Carolina has to be aware of in the slot. Offensive line, the strength of this unit, again, has been for a while. Uh, but there is a question mark that they have at right guard where they've had three different players play 50 or more snaps already. So that's an area that could be a little bit of a weakness. Hopefully Carolina's interior uh, defensive line can take advantage of that. The running game, uh, they always have a pretty solid running game this year. Not nearly as good as it's been in the past, but they do rotate three different guys back there. Rodney Hampton Jr., Sebo Flemster, and Daniel Carter. Daniel Carter was the most productive of these guys uh, in a game this season and uh, with just 65 yards rushing, and that really shows you where they're at. They're averaging just 4.4 yards per carry, uh, which is not great at all. Um, Hammond uh, Jr., who is their leading rusher, is averaging less than four per game, so uh, th this is a group that, you know, shouldn't instill near the amount of fear that some of the past running back groups have at Pittsburgh. Defensively, now this is this is a scary group. And again, I, I, I think some of these may be skewed by some of these stats may be skewed uh, by the teams that they played so far this year. But uh, look, they've allowed 17 points per game so far this year, which is uh, just outside the top 40 nationally. Uh, just 236 yards of total offense, 114 passing yards uh, so far in the first three games, uh, uh, and then 122 rushing yards per game. Uh, the secondary, interestingly enough, might be the strength of this unit. Um, you know, the big thing with this team in the past was that their secondary was always something that teams picked on, um, especially, you know, you go back to, uh, the Larry Fedora era, that was where Carolina won the majority of those games, was just through the air. Uh, this secondary looks like it might be a good bit better. It all starts with Donovan McMillan and Javon McIntyre, uh, who form one of the better safety duos in the entire conference. But as a whole, the unit has been great. No one has allowed more than 79 yards in coverage through the first three games of the season. So really shows you that they are doing a great job of shutting guys down, uh, Carolina is going to have to find a way to get open, something that teams have not been very successful doing so far this year. Uh, the running uh, game is uh, they are allowing more yards on the ground than through the air, but still really strong group. The linebacker trio of Solomon DeShields, Bengali uh, Kamara, and Brandon George, very, very solid. The defensive front, usually always the strength. Uh, doesn't have the stars like it does in the past, but uh, has still been pretty productive so far. They rotate a lot of different guys up there, so Carolina is going to have to be prepared. You know, this is this is somewhat similar. I feel like a lot of people think this is somewhat similar to what we saw from Minnesota last week. A really good defense statistically on paper, but how good are the teams that they have faced? I mean, West Virginia, 
The team they faced last week is just horrid offensively themselves. They lost their starting quarterback in that game. Cincinnati is not the Desmond Ritter mm-hmm. Cincinnati. Uh, Luke Fickle is actually probably the, the Cincinnati that I should be going with there. Uh, since he departed, Scott Satterfield didn't have those boys humming nearly the way that their former coach did. So what do you make of this Pittsburgh team that Carolina will be facing when they step on the field tomorrow night in primetime? I mean, defensively, it's vintage Pat Narduzzi. Um, and this is what, you know, he made his reputation as the def- the defensive coordinator for Michigan State uh, under Mark D'Antonio all those years in East Lansing. And um, whenever Pittsburgh's really good under him, it's because they've got a good defense. I know Kenny Pickett two years ago took him to a conference championship in a New Year's Six Bowl game. And They've made another ACC title game appearance uh, before that as well. But, um, you know, th- th- this is this is going to be what, what really keeps them in the game because if, if Carolina comes out and spots a quick, you know, 14 points, I think that's going to be a lot of what you saw last week with Minnesota. They're not a team that's built to, to play from behind. Um, but if, if Pittsburgh can um, – make the game ugly and muddy. And I, I don't know if weather is going to play a role in tomorrow night's game. I know you got that tropical storm that is supposed to impact the Mets and Philly series tomorrow afternoon at 4 o'clock. If, if weather does show up and plays a factor, unless Carolina returns to the, the, the team we saw two weeks ago where they ran the ball at will, um, you know, it's going to be really hard, I think, for Pittsburgh if, if Carolina comes out and, and gets points early to really come from behind. They're just not built for it. This is a team that is going to want to play the same way like Minnesota did last week, where they're going to want to try to shorten the game, limit possessions, keep Drake May and that offense on the sideline. But on the flip side, if Carolina gets off to that faster start, it really gives them a chance to control the game. And that, I think that's something I'm really looking to see Carolina do this week is that, you know, if this team is taking that next step and they're going from good to great, good teams could could win the game. Uh, great teams could, could, could dominate or control the game from start to finish. And I think that's going to be, you know, kind of on, you know, what I'm going to be looking for tomorrow night is what what Carolina do we get? Do we get the team that wants to start fast that you saw – um, against South Carolina, you saw against Minnesota, or with this being the first uh, road game of the year, albeit it's not like this is a great environment up there at Acrisure Stadium, is this going to be a game that Carolina has to settle into when they find themselves in a dogfight deep into the second half? And so um, that's why I said this, uh, to me, this game is just as intriguing as any other game Carolina's played so far this year. I don't think Pitt's as good as uh, Minnesota. I don't know if they're as good as South Carolina to be as frank with you, but they're going to pose a challenge just in a different way for this Tar Heel team. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, – them in Minnesota are very, very similar. I mean, you look at the the areas of weakness. I mean, their passing game, that's where Minnesota struggled. Um, I will say this. I think Minnesota, as of right now, out of the gate, is a better running team than them. And, and look, maybe – Maybe Cincinnati and, and West Virginia just have great run defenses that we just don't know enough about. But, I mean, yeah, this is not a team that poses the offensive threat. I mean, in years past, especially under Kenny Pickett, I mean, that was a really, really good offense. Carolina had trouble stopping them at times. Even last year, you know, 
Israel Abanacanda came in there. You, he, he had a really good game. Uh, and Carolina, you talk about a game that Carolina was able to control. They, they did that even last year, and that was a better offensive team. So you're right. Um, and that's where I think, you know, we start with our Tar Heel storylines. Going from good to great, as they talked about so much in the offseason, I think you're right. It, it's about controlling this game. Dominating, I think, would be outstanding. If you could come in, in, into this game and blow them out, that would be fantastic. But um, I, I think at this point, you know, that's that's the one thing that I still have to see from this team before I can say that they're going to actually be able to do it because we haven't seen oh, it yet. Yeah. Um, now, the thing is, is that we have seen them control games. And I said this when we recapped the game the other night on Tuesday. I think the difference that you're seeing from this team as opposed to teams that in, in, in the past couple of years, I think you're seeing a Tar Heel team that in games that they're not able to put opponents away early, which they've had those so far out of the gate this season, you're still seeing them win games by double digits. It's not like these are complete nail biters down to the end. And I'm hoping that this is going to be one of those types of games. This should not be a game where it comes down to, you know, the final snap of the game. I would hope not. I mean, I get it. It's on the road. And at this point you're going to take wins any way you can get them. But at the same time, I feel like this should be one of those games where Carolina comes out, um, you know, against a team that is struggling offensively, you're you're not struggling offensively. I mean, I know there are concerns about uh, Drake May and the turnovers, but other than that, I think you, your offense is moving the ball and extremely efficiently. You're scoring in the red zone. You're doing exactly what you have to do so far early in the year um, to to lead yourself to victory. I, I feel like this is one of those games where you should be able to come out, get off to a pretty quick start somewhat similar to what you saw last week, uh, and then just control the game uh, the rest of the way. I, I, and I think it's it's going to be important. Um, now, you know, I, I think the other – one of the questions that I have coming into this game is, you know, we've seen three different ways of winning games so far for Carolina. First game of the year against South Carolina, dominant defensive performance. Um, that That, I mean, you are not going to see – a performance like that probably any time in the near future. So uh, you, you, that's one we'll be looking back on for a while. Um, and then, you know, you go to the App State game. We're kind of wondering, okay, what does Carolina do? You know, off the, offensively, they ran the ball pretty well in that first game of the year, but they leaned on on big plays from the passing game and that defense. Well, in that game, you know, you get gashed on the ground for over 200 yards. But your running game runs for over 300, and that's what carries you to the victory in that one. And then last week, you know, we thought, okay, going up against a Minnesota team that uh, got ran on for over, you know, for over 150 yards in the first game of the season, um, you, you, you thought that would be the area that Carolina would try to attack. Wasn't there early? Carolina goes uh, and, and sort of changes up what they've been doing the entire season, turns into more of that air raid type offense that we've seen in the past and finds a way to win the game, throwing for 414 yards in that one. So, I, I mean, what the, the question now becomes, what element of this team is ready to step up in this game and potentially be what wins them this one? Because we've seen them, you know, 
kind of change their identity each and every week. Do they lock into one of the identities that we've already seen? Or is there another one that pops up in this game and ultimately is the difference in this one on the road to Pittsburgh? You know, that's a really good question because I don't know if I have an answer for it. Um, It's a road game. Uh, The the answer probably needs to be the defensive line um, just simply because they haven't been what they, what they need to be the last, the last two weeks. Um, You know, we talked about how great the secondary was last week. You can't ask any more of your your linebackers, and you do with with said Gray and Power Eccles uh, as good a linebacking tandem as you're going to find in the conference. How about I'll go with outside receiver because if there's a defensive coordinator that or defensive minded coach that's going to lose sleep trying to find a way to take away Kobe Pesor or Nate McCollum, Pat Marduzzi, he's up on that list. Um, he's not going to let his team get beat the way Minnesota got beat a week ago. Um, and, and, and so if they're able to take one of both one or both of those two guys away, they're going to need a, a JJ Jones to make a play or two on the outside and Andre, a, 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 a Andre Green Jr. make a play. Um, is, is Gavin Blackwell going to be good to, to play on Saturday? I didn't really see an injury report. Quite questionable, uh, with an upper body injury, but I mean, it's pretty obvious. he's not going to play on Saturday. So, yeah, I mean. You know, very possible. Yeah, There's also so, the mystery guy. Who who else could possibly be out on the offensive side of the ball? There's at least one or two every single week now. So you got that element going. <laughs> and I mean, we're projecting injuries. It's okay. unbelievable. Like last week you go in, you're feeling good. Willie Lampkin shows up on the injury report, doesn't end up playing. Ryan Cobb, even before we had gotten to the stadium, I mean, absolutely nothing that would tell you that he was injured doesn't play in the game. Now, that, I, I guess technically that's special teams, but still, like, every week we've seen it. McCollum week one, British Brooks week two. I mean, it's just – so, I, I mean, Carolina, I, I guess you're just preparing for it at this point. Clearly, I mean, they're going to have uh, better knowledge going into the game if there is a situation like that. But, I, I you know, that that is, that is pretty interesting because I, I really think – and that's another one of the storylines that I, I, I think – you got to talk about in this game is, you know, the passing game, the success that they had last week. How do they build on that um, this week against the team that has done such a great job of taking away uh, the, the passing games of the first three opponents that they played this year? Now, look, the first opponent that they played is Wofford. We saw Wofford a few years ago. That is no I mean, that's that's no feat that you're hanging up an award for. Um, but look, I mean, Cincinnati is a team that, uh, you know, has been able to throw the football pretty successfully in the last few years. Um, and, and then West Virginia have a game where you got a quarterback that got injured. Um, but still, I mean, what they're doing cannot be downplayed. So Carolina, can, can they sort of counteract that? Because I will say this, this is far, far and away the best passing offense that Pitt will have faced so far this year. Very similar to what we saw last weekend with Minnesota. You, I mean, I mean, you said it when we were previewing the game. Who has Minnesota really played? This is going to be a, the, their first real test. I feel like you're probably setting up for a similar circumstance with Pittsburgh. But I do feel like this is probably a more talented defensive backroom. It's definitely a more veteran defensive backroom. Um, I, I, I'm with you. I think, you know, they're, they're going to watch the film 
on for, from the game against Minnesota, they're going to see, look, man, Nate McCollum was a huge focus for Drake May. These tight ends are a huge focus for Drake May. Let's try to find a way to make anybody but the guys that are in the slot or playing in line beat us. And I wonder if there are guys that can step up on the outside. I mean, J.J. Jones has had big catches in each of the last two weeks. You're hoping that he can sort of become a little more consistent. But with Gavin Blackwell possibly out, you need one, Kobe Pesor, who moved to the outside. And we, we talked about it on Tuesday. I don't know how much I like the fact that they're going to use him now almost exclusively on the outside. I get wanting to use him a little bit out there so you can get him on the field as much as possible with Nate McCollum out there as well. But I think there are going to be times where you got to use him in the slot. But if you're going to do that, then that means that you're going to need Andre Green Jr. to step up and start playing a much bigger role. Or one of the true freshmen is finally going to get one of you know an opportunity for themselves, uh, either Christian Hamilton or Chris Culliver. So somebody's going to have to be ready to step up in this game. And I really wonder, could this be Andre Green Jr.'s breakout game? You know, we saw the flash that he had in the bowl game, three catches. 24 yards, but had that impressive touchdown. Could this finally be where he sort of breaks out? Um, I think he might have to uh, if Carolina is going to win this game. Now, you mentioned another area that Carolina was really good a week ago and an area they're going to hope to, you know, sort of build off of that performance against another passing offense that is struggling is this pass defense. Um, I think, you know, a lot of credit needs to be given to the secondary because as you mentioned, they had their worst performance uh, in terms of pass rush a week ago. Uh, that was the fewest pressures that they've had uh, all season long, just uh, 13 in the entire game. Um, so definitely not the type of performance that you want to see from your defensive front or that you've seen uh, for the majority of the season. And the thing that you know was discouraging about last week, they got more pressure against App State when the game plan was very clear for Map State to try to get the ball out quickly. Um, that was not Minnesota's game plan really at all. They had moments where they did that, but Minnesota, there, there were so many times where their quarterback held onto the football, was trying to find something. It was just, I mean, it's just this simple. Uh, their quarterback was just terrible. I mean, there's no way around it. He had a horrible performance in that game. Um, he was definitely off target on some throws, but I also thought, that Carolina was really, really good in coverage. Um, I thought, I mean, when, when you have eight pass breakups in a game, you're, you're clearly doing something right. Um, they pull down two interceptions, one of them by a linebacker, Power Eccles, who makes a, a diving grab for his interception because apparently that's the only way he can intercept footballs. Um, but I really thought that you saw some really good stuff out of, Armani Chapman won. They may have a guy there that can help them out on the outside. Uh, I, I think you're still seeing, you know, Elijah Huzzy continue to grow into his role. He looks really, really good, consistent in coverage. I thought last week was his best performance. Can he build off of that? And then your guy, Marcus Allen, uh, I think he has been fantastic really this entire season. So to me, I, I think that's one of the big storylines in this game against a team in Pittsburgh that's struggling the way they are, can this pass defense, mainly this secondary, continue to take a step forward uh, and show people that last year all those yards that were given up uh, was really just because they didn't have the right guys in that room? 
Man, like the thing about it is, is that you know, the more that you you you, know, you come out, you shut down another passing offense this week. And, and look, the, the stats are going to say that um, they're not a good throwing team, which is which is accurate. Um, more importantly, what it's doing is it's 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 building confidence within that 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 back room, something that I don't think has existed uh, probably since the COVID year. Um, and that was with with young guys that were playing more off of instinct than they were of what they're being taught, and and that goes a long way because um, that's what you know. You look at that that 2015 pass defense, and there were some talented dudes in there, but more importantly, that they they, they just believed that they were going to make the plays that they had to make without a dominant pass rush, without you know they they, they didn't have the linebacking play that Carolina has now with Eccles and Gray. Mm-hmm. And 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 so another chance to really take a step forward. I think Elijah Huzzy continues to prove why they brought him in. Um, every time I watch him, I become more of a believer in what he's doing. Um, you know, I got the man crush on Marcus Allen just because I I I, I see the ability there to to do stuff at a high level. Look at what Armani Chapman did last week. You can't deny what he did. You know, he was you know he was he was making plays all over the field. Geo Biggers, um, you know, if he doesn't commit a stupid penalty last week, it would have been almost a perfect game for that secondary unit. And the thing about it is, is I don't think they're going to want to rest and, and and rest on their laurels or what they did last week. Last week was last week. This week is this week. It's on to a new challenge. And the part of going from good to great is building off of what you did good a week ago. And there's there's no reason why, if, if they have to, they can't make plays that determine the outcome of this game because you got a questionable dude at quarterback. And the last time I checked, they don't have a Blitnikoff winner, you know, on the on the sideline. Jordan Addison ain't out, ain't out there running routes. And so um, I, I really like whether the defensive line, you know, brings their jock strap or not this week. I really like this secondary's chances to compete at a high level once again. Well, the, yeah, and you mentioned you know, one of the guys that I think has to be shouted. I think both safeties have to be shouted out. Both guys have taken steps forward this year. They were both guys that it would have been very easy to just completely give up on and say, look, these guys are not the solution back there. Uh, I was incredibly concerned about those two guys back there before we started the season, because I mean, you saw last year, there was just inconsistencies all over the place um, Don Chapman, I mean, he didn't even start until late in the season. He was a guy that the staff, um, you know, was looking at as a rotational guy. Um, I mean, hell, even this offseason, you almost lost him to the transfer portal at one point. Um, but he comes back, and I think him and Geo Bigger so far this year have been fantastic back there, um, considering, you know, what we saw from them a year ago. I, I still think, you know, it, it's early in the season. You have to wait and see. But I, I really think those guys have stepped up back there. Will Hardy played much better the other day uh, after he struggled in the game against uh, App State the week before. So Carolina's really got a, a bunch of guys. That's the other thing. The depth in that secondary is just phenomenal. And you said about the defensive line bringing their jock strap. <laughs> well, I think that's – look, they've got to they've jock up. All right, they they got to do something this week because they they got to be better at slowing down the running game. We talked we we just talked about how bad Pittsburgh's passing game has been so far this year. How good your secondary has been so far this year. Why wouldn't you want that to be the way that your defense is able 
to, to, to beat this Pittsburgh team is by forcing them to have to throw the football against these guys and, and, and trusting them uh, to be able to make the plays for you. Well, right now the problem is, is that the run defense, first game of the year, Carolina put up one of their best uh, run defensive performances I've seen uh, since I've been watching football. I mean, this was video game-esque type stuff. They allowed negative two rushing yards in this game. Now, it's weird because in college football, sacks do count against your rushing yardage as opposed to the NFL. They do it a different way. There's a, it, there's a specific category that it goes into or whatever. But still, for, for you to be as dominant as you were, you allowed 19 yards rushing to on Joyner, the starting running back for South Carolina. Well, since then, and I get it, man, App State is a much better running team than I think a lot of people give them credit for. Nate Noel, uh, he's going to run for over 1,000 yards this season. He, he, he is. I mean, he's just been fantastic. He kicked ECU's ass last weekend as well. Um, I, I, I really do think that, uh, you know, Carolina. Okay, are you back? What happened? Yeah, no, I'm back. Okay, I didn't know what happened. I was waxing poetic about uh, the the run defensive struggles, and uh, I thought this would be the time where you wanted to tee off. But um, yeah, I mean, I I just think that for Carolina, you know, you, you face two really good running games. I get that this running game isn't exactly playing at the highest level right now, but it's still a group that has a lot of talent. It's still a group that's capable of running the football on you. If you're not ready. Um, I, I really do think that for Carolina, one of the things I'm watching in this game is can this run defense step up and it all starts up front with being able to seal the edge better. And, and, and you need those interior defensive linemen to step up. I told you they got, you know, they got that rotating door right now, a right guard. They've had three different guys that have played significant snaps there. Well, you need your interior defensive line to start taking advantage of stuff like that. Yeah, um, th- th- this is this is a chance for this defensive line to get back on track and feel somewhat to what we thought we were going to get in week one. And look, none of us are sitting here asking to give that type of production week in, week out. But the problem is, and we said this after the game, was that you put it on the tape. You you, you proved that you were able of overwhelming a an offensive line that has SEC caliber talent on it. Um, and then the next week you you go and you get pushed around by a Sunbelt squad. And that was disappointing. Um, and then you mentioned you, you even get less pressures last week against Minnesota. Um, and, 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 and so Carolina has got to get back to at least, at least being more consistent winning up front. This is not going to be a defensive line that you're going to, you're going to think is special. They, they, this isn't Clemson. This isn't Florida state. They don't got those types of dudes up front which is why it's got to be a team effort. It's got to be everybody doing their assignments, doing what they're asked to do. Because when they do that, in Gene Shizik's scheme, the defense does what we're asking it to do, which is to not, which is not lose his games. Um, and, and and so I'd like to this for this to be a game where, where Kamen Rucker is a problem on the edge. I think Desmond Evans has played arguably the, the best three games in a row in his entire Tar Heel career, at least no from a question. consistency standpoint. This is the most impact I have I've seen him make on a consistent basis at Carolina. 
you know, Javari Ritzy and Miles Murphy, I think those are dudes we're still waiting to see get going and, and get more involved. I want to see more Jacoby Cowan. It, it feels like he doesn't play a lot, but when he's in there, he's doing something or trying to do something. Um, you're seeing more Travis Shaw. So I think the thing you like about it is they're they're not afraid to rotate dudes. Um, they're looking to get that right mixture of what they had in week one because it hasn't been there really since week one. And uh, this is a good chance for them to, to do it because this isn't a pit offensive line um, that, that that's going to scare anybody by any means. And I would imagine Gene Chizik's looking at that right guard spot as a way to attack with his defensive line up front early and often. Well, I mean, look, he's going to look at that also and then probably say, let's see how we can sort of blitz through that gap and everything like that. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, but, I, I mean, yeah, it's it's really, to me, I, I, I get the concerns when it comes to pass rush. And I feel like, you know, last week, I think you got to give some credit to the tackles for Minnesota. We knew we, – we talked about that when we previewed that game. That was their strength coming in. Their tackles were really, really good. And I thought they showed that last week. Um, you know, Kamen Rucker and, and, and Des Evans were really productive in the first two games of the season. I will say this, though. Carolina didn't get a lot of pressure last week. But still, I thought the edge rushers, when they needed to get pressure, they stepped up and made plays. You talked about Jacoby Cowan. He was in on – Seven snaps the entire day. Four of those were pass rushing snaps. He got two pressures and the huge sack on third and two that eventually led to Carolina getting the ball back and driving down and scoring. Des Evans, you know, quieter day for him. He's the guy that gets the pressure on the interception by Armani Chapman that kills that drive. So that that's the thing that you're seeing. I'm I'm focused on the interior that's defensive line more than anything. Because I got to be honest, even in the first game of the season, I haven't seen anything from this group really. First game of the season, it was all about those dudes on the edge, man. They they just they just absolutely killed South Carolina. And here's the thing: maybe South Carolina's offensive line is just that bad. It's very possible. I know we didn't see it because we were at the, we were at the stadium. I had multiple people that told me their offensive line was downright terrible. Uh, in the second half against Georgia. But here's the thing. I mean, they were at least serviceable enough in that first half. So, like, it it can't all be – I've heard multiple people say this. Well, maybe it was just all about how bad South Carolina was. It can't all be about that. You don't get nine sacks and 16 tackles for loss just based on how bad one unit is. It's a a cumulative effort. so I think, you know, it's just it's just about being more consistent up there. It's about that interior defensive line taking a step forward, and I certainly think they have the opportunity to do that this weekend. But now let's transition into our keys to the game and predictions for this game. We'll start with those keys. I, I think, you know, going right back into it, I think it, it, it really starts with stopping the run. Um, and, and we won't talk too much more about, you know, w- what they need to do run defense-wise. But I think it's really just about forcing this passing game of Pittsburgh to have to throw the football in this game. They're coming off a game where uh, they threw for 81 yards, three interceptions. This is a, a passing offense that is not in rhythm at all. They don't have they're, – they're very similar. I'm not going to say very similar to you because your offense is still 
way above them. I mean, he threw for 414 yards last week, but they don't have that over-the-top threat. I mean, Carolina's had the over-the-top threat. It just hasn't been there uh, with one specific guy. Uh, they have had no over-the-top threat the whole season. Um, they're really limited to what their tight end can do, what their slot receiver can do. And I think Carolina can take that away. So to me, if you can stop the run in this game, I think you will almost completely be able to take Pitt's offense out of this game. So that's my first key. I mean, the best way to do it is you got to win on early downs. Like you got to realize yeah. that um, in this game, a four yard run on first and 10 is a positive play for Pittsburgh, which means second and six, they're going to run it again. But if you hold them to two yards or less and they're looking at second and eight or even second and seven, those are more likely going to be passing type of downs or they're, you know, they're, they're going to at least have the option to, to probably throw it again as opposed to running it. And when Carolina has done that so far in the early year, they've done a much better job of getting off the field on third downs and, and getting the type of pressure that they got to get on the quarterback because it's hard, man. Like in third and two and third and threes, I mean, unless you're just all out blitzing, it's, it's hard to get to the quarterback, even if they're throwing, and, you know, Carolina hasn't it's, – it's really hard at that point to figure out what they're going to do and how you're going to attack, and it's easier to attack a defense in third and two because you can run it or you can throw it. Um, and, and so if Carolina wins on early downs more often, it, it really lends to them abandoning the run early. And that's what Minnesota did last week. I mean, that was a team that wanted to come in there and run the ball and shorten the game, but they couldn't do it. They got behind two possessions and went, you know, air gopher. What do you need to make it Pittsburgh go air Panther on, on Saturday? And the best way to do that is win on first down. Yeah, I mean, and and Mac Brown has talked about that for years, winning on, on first. It's first and second down. You, you, yep. you cannot let them get into third and short situations. And we've seen that far too often. A lot of it they've done with that running game. So I think if you take this running game out of this one, uh, unless they, this is they just have an unreal performance where they are just carving you up in the short passing game, which I think we saw last week. I, I I don't know. I mean, I thought Carolina was was much more aggressive with their coverages last week. Um, I I think that's something that you know Mac Brown called it out in the press conference after App State, and I think it was something they adjusted last week. I think it'll still be there this week because they had so much success with it. Um, I, I really do think that. If you stop this running game, it's going to be hard-pressed hard to see a way that Pittsburgh's offense just comes out and moves the football on you. Second key to the game for Carolina in this one, uh, to me, is, is is win in the trenches. And I really think, you know, it, it, it focuses a lot on the defensive side of the ball. But the offensive side of the ball, they got to be better than they were a week ago. Um, now, the hope is that they have Willie Lampkin back for this game. That, that loss last week cannot be understated enough. He was Carolina's best offensive lineman in the first two games of the season, um, and it frankly wasn't even close. Um, now, I will say this. You, you, gotta, you, you really got to give it to Carolina um, for how they pass protected a week ago. I mean, allowing seven total pressures in the entire game, and that was with a guy in Ed Montalis that was, one, coming back from injury, and two, frankly, has not been that great in that area to begin with. 
William Barnes, Spencer Rowland really stepped up last week and played well uh, in pass protection areas where they've struggled at times in their career. I think if you have a similar type of performance in this game and, you know, couple that with the opportunity to get Willie Lampkin back, you should be able to run the ball a little bit better. I know Pittsburgh's been really good against the run so far this year. So uh, that will be, you know, a, a tough task, but I think it is possible. And I, I think if they if they went up front on the offensive side of the ball, uh, they should be able to put up points in this game. Yeah, I mean, ACC game on the road. Um, teams that win up front usually win and control the ball game. Um, you know, as questionable as it may be, you know Pittsburgh is going to want to make Carolina have to throw the ball because they, they like their secondary probably a little more than Minnesota like their secondary. Um, you also look at the fact that Drake's thrown four picks. They might think they could get him to, 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 to force a turnover to – to really change the game. Um, you know, I, I think Carolina – I think Carolina can win the game with Drake throwing for, you know, 350 or plus, but I think this offense is at its best when it's when it's running and throwing. Um, and this offensive line should be motivated after the after they put together last week because as good as Minnesota is up front, it was disheartening how Carolina could not really run the ball. Um, they just, they, they weren't able to move their guys off their spots. There was just never, there was just never a time where I felt like they felt like they could run the ball after the first two weeks where they pretty much ran it whenever they wanted to. So, um, that's, that's going to need to change, especially, like I said, I don't know if the weather is going to play a factor in this game or not. I'm just gave you a weather report from what I got told listening to a Met game on my way home that a game in Philadelphia is going to potentially be moved by the weather. If this turns into a, a rain, a rain type game, whichever offensive line uh, wins is going to probably win the game. Remember, because that's what really happened when they lost in overtime a few years ago when the bottom fell out. Yeah, Carolina had a procedural penalty, a penalty at the one yard line, but you know then the 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 heavens opened up and um, you know Carolina's offensive line. Just let you know Pitt's pant the, the the Pitt's defensive line come through like they had nothing to say about it. So um, it, it's going to be imperative that Carolina wins up front early and often. Uh, the weather, by the way, uh, will not should not affect this game. Um, no, that's good. Now, what's your what you're referring to is Tropical Storm Ophelia, which is just off the coast of North Carolina at this point. If this game was in Chapel Hill. We would be talking about a ton of rain, a lot of wind. Um, that would definitely affect the game. Um, now, you mentioned, you know, we're New, we're New York Mets fans, so they're playing in Philadelphia right now. The reason that game will be affected is because of how far east Philadelphia is. Pittsburgh is so far west in the state um, that they're not going to really get any sort of effects from this. Uh, oh, I, know, right. I got, I got my, my cities in that state that I hate mixed up. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they are, they are pretty far apart from each other. Um, so it, it I, I, I mean, I've seen it like it's going to be cloudy. Um, there might be a little bit of wind, but I don't think there's going to be any significant changes. I, I, I think Carolina will be fine in this game to run their normal game plan. Um, so I, I think that that's something that you can take off the table. You don't have to worry about that. 
Um, so yeah, I, I, I think they'll they'll be fine there. That will not be one of our keys to the game. My last key to the game here, though, is and I mentioned it earlier in passing. Carolina, it, it, this is one of those games that because of where Pittsburgh is at right now, I I, I get such a similar feeling from them that I got from that Minnesota team that we saw last weekend. Um, And I feel like this is one of those opponents that Carolina, they should be able to control the game against in order to do that. You have to get off to a good start early, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. You've got to get some points on the board. I think that's going to be imperative for Carolina in this game is to come out, set the tone early, score some points. Uh, I mean, you'd like to combine it with, you know, a a good job by your defense to get off the field. I think if you can get out to, you know, a two possession lead early, whether it's 10, nothing would of course prefer 14, nothing. If you can get up two possessions early in this game, either, you know, late first quarter, early second quarter, I think that could be uh, what allows you to gain that control of the game, have a little bit of comfort uh, and I think that's the position that Carolina wants to be in in this one. There'll be ones are later in the season where you'll be all right with being in battles because you're going up against more talented teams. This is one of those teams that right now I think you should you, you are clearly the better team. You should be able to control this game. And in order to do that, you have to find a way to start quick. Yeah, and the best way to do it is not turn the ball over. Um, and I'll just kind of piggyback off of that with yours. This needs to be a clean game from Drake. Um, if he comes out and has another multi-turnover game, we're going to have to have a conversation about the turnovers because that would be three of the four. Um, and you go back to some of the turnover struggles he had last year uh, to close out the regular season and then in, and then into, you know, the postseason play. Um, the thing is, is the ones last week were – I'm not going to say they were forgivable – because your defense only gave up three points, but you can't bank on that happening every game, every time, or if you turn the ball over twice. You know, you look at the two against South Carolina, the one decision to throw back across his body, everybody and their mother knew that ball was getting picked. The other one, the catch has to be made. Mm-hmm. Well, else that doesn't happen. And so, um, but you're right. I, I think if Carolina, you know, like you're always trying to score points, right? But we always talk about the whole chasing points thing. I think if Carolina comes out and puts together two touchdown drives right off the bat early in the game and makes it a two-possession game, I, I, I don't see Pittsburgh crawling back in this game. But if, if Drake May comes out and, and gives them one or two short fields and breathes some life and some confidence into that offense, into that defense, they could be in for more of a battle than what they probably should be going into tomorrow. All right. Well, it is prediction time. As always, I will let you start. What do you see happening in Aquashire Stadium tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. I, I can't remember if this was – I know you had this as a loss back when we went through the schedule. I, I can't did. remember what I had it going for Carolina. I think you had it as a ago. win because you had them going 9-3 and three and you had them – oh, man. Uh, oh, no, maybe you did have it as a loss because you didn't have yeah, it as in the opener. Yeah, so maybe you did. I think this was a loss on my end, but that was a month ago. And I had questions about Carolina that haven't been fully answered, but have been semi-answered. Um, and I thought Pitt was going to be better. 
Um, and we were at media day. There were a lot of people that thought Pitt could be a sneaky team to watch in this conference because nobody was talking about them. A lot of hype for Clemson, Florida State, Carolina, Duke, uh, maybe even NC State, uh, depending on if you ask the right person. This wouldn't be Georgia Tech level loss if Carolina loses this game, but this this if Carolina loses, it'll be hard pressed to believe this team's going to have the type of year they we want them to have and what you're hoping to have with Drake May. It's also the day before my birthday, and I don't want to be miserable on my birthday. I got the heels on the road, 31-17. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, you you are right. I did have this as a loss on the schedule, and I thought it was very similar to, um, you know, I, I, I really did think this was going to be one of those games. Like, I thought Pittsburgh was going to be much better by this point. I really thought that running game-wise, they would have more answers than they have now. Um, and I did not think their quarterback play would be this bad. Um, I, I mean, to me, there is absolutely no question. This is a game that Carolina – I mean, they, they, I'm not going to say they have they have to win it. If they lose this game, the season is not over by any stretch. But this is one that you really want. Like, I, I mentioned it earlier. It's been 26 years since you started a season 4-0. I don't know if you've had a better chance than you are going to have in this one. Um, I mean, it'd be, we'd have to go back and, and, and look at all the different seasons, but I'm going to tell you, this team that's coming in here is incredibly vulnerable. They just got embarrassed in their rivalry game uh, this, this past weekend against West Virginia. Um, they're, they're look good team, good, good defensive team. But I think, like I said, there are so many similarities to that Minnesota team that you played a week ago. I think that's the game plan that you have to go off of. I do think this team learned from what they saw from Minnesota last week. I think this offensive line will do a much better job run blocking in this game. I think Carolina will be able to run the ball a little bit better. I think Drake may will be even more efficient. That's the thing that's so frustrating last week, the two interceptions, those were the only blemishes outside of that. He was fantastic. And I think that, you know, he's going to have a chance to put up another game like that in this one. Um, I don't know if he's going to throw for as many yards. I think Pittsburgh's secondary is pretty legitimate. But I, I think he is going to come out, have a successful day through the air. I think Carolina's offense moves the ball pretty well throughout the day. Um, but but I still think it could be one of those games that ends up being a little bit uglier maybe than some people expect. I think Carolina still pretty off, uh, efficient offensively. I like Carolina's defense uh, to uh, come out and, and, and put together another really solid performance. I, I like the Tar Heels in this one. I think they score a late touchdown uh, that really completes uh, the separation in this one. I like them 34-13 on the road. Uh, against the Pitt Panthers. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast, guys. Make sure you head over to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. I'll have the preview up there in the morning for you guys, as we uh, have been doing here for these 8 o'clock kicks. So that'll give you something uh, to read in the morning. that also uh, give us at least some sort of hope 
that maybe we find out something early in the morning if there is one of those surprise injuries that pops up uh, for you guys. So uh, I'll have that up there for you in the morning to get you going. Uh, and then after the game is over, uh, we will, you know, it's going to be a late game. So uh, it just makes sense for us to wait until the next day to post the recap. That'll be up there for you guys on Sunday. Uh, we'll then have the stock report for you as we always do and then circle back around uh, and uh, not do it all again. I'm actually uh, blanking there for just a second. We will then uh, have a bye week early. I know it's very weird. Carolina's had a lot of mid-season bye weeks here recently, which has always worked out pretty well for when I do the mid-season grades. I will not be doing those that early this year. I, I know it'll be four games in. We'll still have a pretty good sample size, but I do like to hold off. I'll do them at the true midpoint of the regular season for Carolina. So uh, we will have, you know, some sort of content up there for you guys that we're going through um, to keep you guys entertained uh, while Carolina is uh, going through their buy. So uh, all that stuff uh, will be up there on the website for you guys to check out. And uh, who knows, there may also be, or there will definitely be, I know on uh, Tuesday of this week, there will be uh, some very interesting basketball stuff going up because the, conference schedule is officially released they're doing a release show on that night josh will have you covered we'll of course be back on the four corners podcast breaking that down as well so a bunch of stuff to look forward to on the basketball side of things as we get closer and closer to the start of basketball season in chapel hill as well so uh once again that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the podcast want to thank uh, Josh for hosting with me. Wish him a happy birthday. want to thank you guys for watching and listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Hey guys, Anthony here. We want to thank you guys for listening to this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. If you could, make sure you head over to wherever you listen to your podcast. Find out where you can rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And go ahead and do that for us. The rating and reviewing, that helps us to move up some of those rankings. And the subscribing, that is for you. So you don't miss any editions of the podcast coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast family moving forward. And thank you once again for listening to this edition.